Hey everyone, this is a special Apex Vaulting podcast. As some of you may have heard about through Sean Francis and others, there was a meeting of the minds in Las Vegas. Mark Cortazzo gathered some of the biggest names and greatest minds and passionate pole people to come up with some ways to better our sport. The following podcast is with Sean Francis, Michael Cyphers of Vault House, April Steiner Bennett, Olympic qualifier in 2008 and former Arkansas Razorback, and last but not least, Sandy Morris, the 2016 Olympic silver medalist and also fellow Arkansas Razorback. I just wanted to apologize. We did the podcast in a hotel suite and there was a lot of commotion going on around us. But if you could deal with some of the ums and likes in the beginning, there's some really good information and exchanging of ideas on this one. Please enjoy. All right, so uh, this is episode 18 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Um, this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we might have some guests pop in and out right now. First, uh, we have Sean Francis. Uh, if you don't know, he's got a super famous vlog that everybody follows for Pole Vault. It's not that famous if you don't um, know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, pretty well known, pretty well established. Um, we're here in Las Vegas this weekend. Um, you could definitely probably hear some background noise. That's maybe some music or some people having fun or Austin who all, always seems to be up to trouble. Um, but, uh, maybe Sean, what, what do you want to talk about this weekend? Like what, what do you think? Why have we collected as a group in Las Vegas? Like what, um, are, what are we trying to figure out? It just feels like as long as I've been in the sport, uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk of how, man, Paul, what would would be better if it was like this we want it to be bigger our we want our sport to be to, to grow that's really what it feels like we've been talking about for yeah, years yeah but there's just been no um action yeah well I, I i know for me i feel like there's just been certain handcuffs in our sport whether it be with usatf and the certain sponsorship deals which you know prevent let's say vaulters who are maybe that second or third tier vaulter that are really really good from getting good sponsorship deals because Nike has an exclusive deal. You know, that's right. just the fact of it. You know, where, I mean, a perfect example that comes to mind, and she was on the podcast, Katie Najat had an awesome year, right. but because she's maybe on that second or third tier, which after this summer, maybe she's like maybe she's right on the cusp, right, yeah. you know? Um, but maybe she could be getting more sponsorship deals if it wasn't like that. You know, what what can happen to change that? Um I mean, what do you, what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts on like what needs to change or what needs to happen? You know, in our sport, you know. Um, yeah, it, I think there's a lot of things that could change. I mean, we've talked a lot about um, building a bigger audience, getting getting the sport out there more. Uh, TV and, and money seems to be a huge issue, and another huge issue is just. Um, eyes you know people, yeah. people wanting to see it so it, it's it felt well, like well bef- before you go on like let's talk about you specifically i mean yeah. i think one of the things that i thought was just always awesome about you was you were able to get more eyes on you you right. know and you can talk about maybe that process and how that helped but then also maybe you want to talk about what kind of led you to stop vaulting you know what i mean like what yeah. why didn't you keep, keep jumping good you know? question um yeah so i i started the vlog kind of by accident to stay in touch with a bunch of kids when i left fargo and moved down to minnesota this was like a way to stay in touch with them and and another reason was in the back of my head i was like well if i don't jump 19 feet is there some way that i can have a little bit of insurance that if i don't meet the you know the standards standard I have in my and head, make the world team yeah, yeah how, sure. how can i how can people still find me? 
So the blog kind of started that way, and I, I really didn't think it was going to work, but it kind of started blowing up in the yeah, global community. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm still doing it because of that. You know, if I didn't have the blog, I I would have been done a long time. Well, ago. and and me and you have talked about this a lot, and you know, I. I, I almost wish we lived a little bit closer together because I'm That's sure what I say we, about everybody here. Yeah, right we, yeah, we would probably be hanging out all the time talking about these things. But like, there's not really a lot of people putting out content in the pole pole. You know? Yeah. And and when yeah, that's that's really what comes out. Since like I have the video side, um, and there's, there's a few others doing a little bit of stuff, but yeah, not yeah. not the consistency. I right. Guess but if I was an athlete following your log of vlogs, I literally could know, okay, this is what Sean does for workouts. This is what Sean does for technical stuff. Right. And this is what I got. I need to do if I want to get better because I see he's doing well and I want to be on that level. Right. You know? And there's not a lot out there. I mean, heck, I, I feel like most of the time if I see someone post a jump on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, they're not even putting their grips, their poles, their step, their technical, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like what they're trying to do technique-wise in the practice. And that stuff for like a young vaulter, that's huge. Yeah, you know? they, they people are posting what they're doing, but there's no educational stuff behind it. You right, know, it's, right, uh, right. Here's my jump. Hey, look, I'm at the track. I'm training today. It's it's that kind of stuff, which is right. That's what social media is supposed to do. Right. Um, but there there isn't a lot of um, people trying to teach. You know, right, on, right. online right now. There's a few, and I I, I won't name names or yeah, yeah, yeah. say anything, but. Um, and I think that's where I've kind of found a little bit of a niche is, is I've been in the sport long enough where I can be like, hey, I can share some of the stuff that's helped me and helps my kids at camps and help, helps my kids that I've worked at Division One, college, middle school, all, of yeah, all yeah, levels. Yeah. And it seems to struck a, it struck a chord. And I think yeah. you've been doing the same thing is you're going to share your information right. with this podcast and you've done the same thing by bringing other people on so they can share their voice. Right. But as you know, it's hard to stick out a podcast all the time. And oh, video is absolutely. Tough to like you know? over the summer, I was super busy. There was probably two months where I didn't have a, a podcast. Yeah, consistency gets hard again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing that I was going to bring up is like, I think also, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes to make time for it. But I also think that people make it seem harder than it is. Like if you just post a video and literally just put, hey, I was from this approach I was gripping this, I was on this pole wrapping this bungee or whatever, and I was trying to jump up better. Whatever. That's it. Real simple. Bing, bang, boom. You post it. That already is like putting you way ahead of what other people are doing out right, there. Right, yeah. Our sport's way behind. If you look at any other sport, whether it's weightlifting or gymnastics or anything right. else, they, there's content. There's, yeah. There's, and, and it's all different kinds. There's educational stuff. There's what the pros are doing. And, and varying viewpoints. Varying viewpoints. Yeah. Which like is I, what we're missing a lot. Yeah. That's I, I kind of hate being one of the only guys on the video side because it's like well no one's cha challenges me in my viewpoint all the time i mean i get some emails every once in a while it's like the vlog sucked and you should probably just take that down and go well. you know you get you get those but you get <laughs> right right, right, right. but it, it it's it gets i want i don't want to use the word lonely and make you feel like oh it's, it's lonely being the only vlog guy but it'd be nice to be able to bounce ideas and see what other people right are doing, right you know? i i think that's the thing like like you brought up like gymnastics or powerlifting or some other sports and the thing is they almost welcome that competition and the thing is it makes you think right exactly like even like you know i'll watch your vlogs and like sometimes i'm like oh wow great point Right. You know, and then other times I'm like, uh, I, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, and that's my but, goal, though, is to right. make people do that type of stuff. And, right. then, and then my favorite is when you give me feedback, like, 
and then we can talk about what you do agree on, maybe what you don't, and then we both grow out of that instead of being yeah, stuck. I, and that's what the sport's missing again—the growth part of it. And that's why we're all here right now. I think it's right. Yeah, and just, I it's mean maintaining while the rest of the world and sports are changing, and that's not right. Yeah, that's we, why we're getting left in the dust. Yeah, we need to grow, yeah. and and that's the thing that's always I thought been amazing about what you've done over over the years is like you've grown, you know, and even like you've been an inspiration to me. Like, that's why I started doing the podcast. That's why I started posting a lot more on social media. Cause I'm like, Sean's right. He's do he's doing what it takes to one, put pole out there and put more information out there. So people know what they're doing. You oh, know? I appreciate the kind of words. You, you're doing the same thing though. And you, you reminded me of it. And I, I still have the shirt, but back in my first year making the vlogs, you were one of the first people to send me an apex shirt. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is no one would have sent me a shirt if I wasn't making these vlogs. And, you know, that little stuff means a lot, and you remember that. Sure, you know? and yeah. now look at where we are now because of something like that, you know. Yeah, I, I, and, you know, the thing is, and one of the things that's been discussed this weekend with everybody, and just for people that don't know, Sandy Morris, the silver medalist from Olympics and Worlds, is with us this weekend. Uh, April Steiner Bennett is with and us this weekend, uh, former Arkansas Walter, also Olympian. Um, Scott, Alicia, Houston. Scott Houston is here, yeah. who he ju- jumped just under 19, right? 78. Yeah. yeah, which I, is the A standard for indoors. That's why. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I was gonna so ask him too. I, I wanted to know best, why he jumped at that bar. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, and then you know, and a group of other people, Alicia Newman from Canada, Newman, who's a Canadian stud, amazing. Yeah. Um. But like one of you know some of the stuff that we were talking about is um. Man, I just lost my train of thought. No, that's all right. We were uh, just talking about growing the sport. Right, but yeah, like we're trying to figure out ways to grow the sport. And the thing is, I think sometimes we all get into these schools of like, I like this or I like that. I'm against this. I'm against that. But the thing is, anything that we can do to grow the sport is good, right? Like, so even if somebody coaches differently than I do, I welcome that. That's awesome because it makes me more competitive too. Because here's the thing. If I think my way is better, well, then I got to coach my ass off to beat you and prove that my way is better. And that's just going to make comp- competition greater and yeah. make the heights greater and bring more fans to it. Yeah, you know? and that's true for all avenues of life. And that's exactly what I was talking about with the vlog is if, if, if I don't have to grow, then why would I? You know what I mean? Kind of right, thing. right. But, exactly. Um, not to go off on a rant, but like I've always like – I hate mistake nations like a huge anxiety thing to me. So that's always why the vlogs continue to grow and even without that. But I think right. our sport doesn't have that right now. Right. You know what I mean? So – yeah, let's let's just say this this weekend's awesome and things are coming, like things are changing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a positive weekend, and and I like a lot of the things that I, I've heard and seen, and and I I think our sport, the one thing that we have over maybe even some of the other events and track is that we definitely have the people who have passion and they want to see it grow, and I think some of the things discussed this weekend, which now we you have know, the resources of how to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't want to like uh, let the cat out of the bag just yet. But a lot of things that we discuss are definitely looking good for the future right. of pole vault, and and hopefully things come through. Um, but I, I just wish more people thought like us um, and didn't just have that kind of um, religious belief in like yeah. their system or their right. way, yeah. and just rejected everything else. Right. I mean, to me, it's like look, if somebody can do things a little bit different. 
that's always a wrinkle I could add into my training and my club totally. it's, and, it's, and vice versa. You know, I hope, I hope there's something that maybe I'm doing that could help other people with their, their athletes as well. You know, but I, I think too often, you know, we get too tribal almost in, in pole vault. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said pole vault's a lot like religion and politics. Everyone has their opinion and they, and they, they stick with it. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's like religion and politics. Again, if you can look at other religions political views, you're going to grow and be a more um, well-versed, you know, in your view of how things really are. And yeah. I think that's what this is all about. I, I, I've seen this meme that I think is hysterical. It's a picture of uh, someone from the Matrix. Who's the guy? Uh, not Neo. Who's... Oh, Morpheus? Morpheus. Yeah. There's a picture of Morpheus. And it's like, uh, I'm neither liberal nor conservative. You know, do <laughs> yeah. you believe that? You know what I mean? Like, right. would yeah. you believe that? And it's like, yeah, the same thing. It's like, look, like, we're all for pole vault. We all want it to grow. And I think if, if we start thinking in that way, it, it'll be much better, you know? Yeah. Um, wh- what about, though, kind of going back to something I said earlier, you know, you were jumping, you ended up, you know, kind of like stopping, just, st- yeah, stop jumping, but focus on the vlog. What do you think from this weekend, especially some of the things that we discussed, what was something that maybe led to you stop jumping? Um, but also what... Why did you continue with the blogs? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. a lot of other people would have just stopped and you still participate in the sport. That's a good question. Um, so I'll start with the first first question. So I, I stopped because I, I got sick of paying to do the sport. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. Is you, I was, I mean, I wasn't jumping A standards or anything like that. But you get to a point where you're like, I'm going to lose money traveling to this meet. And, you know, I have a master's degree in biomechanics and I could be sitting in a lab making a right. living starting a band doing all the stuff like in quotations you're supposed to do right right and right, right. instead it, it turned into like um yeah it, it was just a lot of work for um I, it goes back to that growth thing for me and not everyone's like this but I didn't know where else I could grow in the sport like even financially or I could jump higher and that would be cool right but, right but then but what, what else but then what right yeah so th- that got really frustrating. So then it was like, okay, this might be time to hang it up because it, st- it stopped being fun. And the stress of the financial stuff is really hard. And we talk a lot about that stuff this yeah, weekend yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll talk about that more in future vlogs. Yeah, yeah. And so then I kept with the vlog because I remember being that young kid who was like, I wish someone would have told me this sooner. Or I wish I had this information. And there wasn't information out like that. And I was like, I have this information. And again, if I just didn't talk about pole vault, then I spent so many years learning all this stuff for for what again? And and yeah, you at least yeah. want to share it with others. Share it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I started like a video marketing company, and then it, it allowed me to make a video. I've made a video every day for a year to get really to try and get better at it. I, I pretty much took all the time I was doing for pole vault and started making a video instead. So I I, I use the same training mentality. The pull-up vlogs continued as like as long as people still want me to make these, I'll keep making them. And there was a huge, overwhelming yeah. yes, so I kept doing it. Well, and and so that, that that goes back to kind of again, like I think there is a huge uh, need for people to put content out, and it's just there's not a lot of avenues no for them to it. go, yeah. you know. And you know, even me, like I, I'm super thankful that you started, you know, your vlog, and and there was information out there because. 
you know, I would have kids coming into the club and they'd be like, oh, did you see, see Shav's new vlog? You know, he's talked about this. He talked about that. He's wearing a horse head this week. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still remember the time, I guess you went to a county fair or something like that as ninjas with your friends. <laughs> the Renaissance. The, yeah, 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 yeah. That was hysterical. I mean, even stuff like that. Like, you know what? But that's it, pole vaulters. Well, it know? shows also that human side of us just having fun. Just, you know what life, I mean? man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's awesome. And, De- definitely that that goes to show like you know more people can be putting out stuff like that and, right. and helping yeah. you know um and that that's part of this you know weekend i guess you know is like just figuring out how everyone can help and push the sport forward yeah I, i'm you know? so excited to talk about it and i feel like we're both kind of on this like i just want to tell the world but we're, we're yeah, not yeah. ready yet but it's it's gonna yeah i yeah. think this is the first time i've ever felt like this could perhaps make a dent and change some things in so, a better direction. I, another thing to kind of like, I guess, flip directions and, yeah. um, you know, hopefully we're going to get somebody else to walk over here soon. So I want to get to this topic. And we had you on the podcast uh, yeah, almost, almost a year ago now. Yeah, uh, I guess like eight months ago. Um, and I didn't get a chance to ask you, you know, you started also doing vlogs about like mental health and stuff like that. And yeah. you discussed like your battles with, with mental health. And I think on varying degrees, everybody's dealt with some things that you've well, talked totally, about. Totally. Well, 80% mental. The rest yeah. is in your head, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, I mean, everybody's dealt with that stress, too, of, like, because our sport is so to the numbers. You right. know what I mean? Sometimes in a team sport, let's say, like, basketball or football, it's like, look, maybe you lost the game, but you had a good game, or you didn't notice, really, if you had a good game or not. Right. Um, our sport, you know to the inch how high you jumped. Um what are what are maybe some tools that you've discovered through your years of dealing with what you've had to deal with that could help maybe other vaulters with dealing with some anxiety or struggles as, as they're competing or training? Yeah, that, that's a good question. The, the best advice I ever had was uh, there's a guy who got uh, third place in the high jump from he's from the Bahamas. I, I had the privilege of he, he jumped at NDSU or he didn't jump at NDSU, he coached at NDSU while okay. I was coaching there. And I was frustrated. I was like, whole looks frustrating as hell. Yeah, Everyone knows yeah. that they've been there. And he just, he, it's weird. He grabbed, he just, I was frustrated at track one day. He came over to me while he was high jumping, grabbed the pole, and he just looked at me in the eyes and goes, It's just you versus the bar, man. It's just you versus the bar. And that changed everything because then every meet I went to, it was like, I know there's the competition aspect, right, right, right. but your goal is just to get over the bar. And if you try and beat somebody else, what has to come first? You still have to get over the bar. So that was right. always the first thing. I was still very competitive. I still am. If someone wants to go for a run now, I'll probably pull both hamstrings, but we're, yeah, we're yeah, running. Yeah. But it was still like, okay, yeah, it's just, it's just a me versus the bar. And that, that calmed me down. Some people need to pick me up. I mean, we could go the sports psychology route. Sure, like sure. Crazy, but that was I, a big one. But it's interesting, and, and I love the fact that you bring up the idea that it was like, you know, this coach who was – you know, on the same staff as you and just kind of one day saw you and pulled you aside. Because I think about, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Fighter. It was yeah. about an Irish Mickey Ward and yeah. his half-brother's in jail and they have a phone call and he gives yeah. him this one tip that helped him win a fight. Yeah. And the guy who was his actual coach and trainer one day gets in a shouting match with his half-brother once he gets out of jail. And the thing that Irish Mickey Ward has to admit is like, look, I need both of you. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I think a lot of times people don't get. It's like you need to look at things from all angles. So, like you said, sometimes you have to ignore the competition and focus on what you're doing. Sometimes it's the other way. 
And I, I know for me as a coach, look, I have to swallow my pride sometimes too. <laughs> I think like, everybody has to learn yeah, that one eventually. Yeah. I, I need to swallow my pride. It's like, you know what? If somebody else can help one of my athletes, whether it's through listening to one of your vlogs or let's say someone who's a local coach gave them a little tip out of me and that helped them that day. Hey, man, whatever helps that kid. And, and if it did, bring it back to the club and let's talk yeah. about it with everyone. You know, so hard. It's that's that's hard one, man. Uh, can I tell you to help with me with that one? Sure, sure, sure. So like, I, I never, I didn't read this book, but someone told me there's a book called The Growth Mindset, and I kind of okay. did the spark notes of it, and they were like, if you focus on growing versus maintaining, that's where everything changes. So you can't, if you if your pride's too big, you can't grow because then you're yeah. stuck in your ways. Right. So right, that's where right. it was like, well, that anxiety stagnation thing drives me. It's like my number one thing. So yeah, maybe yeah. there's something to this. So then that's where everything changes. It's like I'm okay. This high school coach sees things that nobody else has ever seen before because they've never seen the ball either. So they might have a really weird cue that I could add into my toolbox to help me grow as a better coach. So instead of saying, this guy only has six months of coaching experience, I was like, what can I learn from this coach? And that right. changed everything. Right. And, and as you said, then the pride goes away. Like, oh, look at this. Look at this six-month high school coach. Now I look at all coaches. Anyone, even my girlfriend, who's only jumped twice. Like, <laughs> she just wanted to try it. But she's she just taught me stuff about the vault that I was like, oh my god, I've never even looked at it like that. Right, because her perspective, perspective is different, so different. And, and you can learn. Yeah. And you're so right. It's like pride can a lot of times get in the way of learning something that's super valuable or super yeah. important. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I see it too yeah. often. And, you know, something that I've seen with certain coaches, there's like peers of mine that I feel like, if I go up to them and like, hey, like you should really try this drill or you should think about this in a different way, they're like, screw you, man. Like I'm doing it my way. Yeah. But then that's But if they fault. just watch yeah. me and I don't say anything, I literally can see them. They're like peeking over at me and they're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, so guys, we're going to try this a little different today. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's so funny, but pride gets in the way. We sometimes won't just take something from someone else. You know, we want to hear it from, from uh, we want to find out for it for ourselves so that we can take uh, ownership of it. Yeah, you know, and that's just changing the way you're thinking and doing things, you know? So, do you want to hand me off or? Um, yeah, I guess, <laughs> right. I guess we could do that. Yeah. Why, why don't, and so, here's the thing. So, you go. And then just find somebody else that maybe I'll like 10 minutes or something like that. Scotty and yeah, over, yeah. Like, send somebody over. Right, good talk. Over. Thanks for good having talk, me. Good talk, Sean. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, right now, we're going to turn over to Michael Cyphers. Hello. Um, so we're going to change up the conversation a little bit. We, we were actually having an interesting conversation earlier today. Um, again, this big meeting in Las Vegas, all these vaulters. Um, why don't you start off, Mike, by just explaining like, kind of the way you grew up and what you were thinking about this trip going in, like just the idea of Las Vegas in itself. Well, I know for me, like, you know, I grew up way in the woods, log cabin, kind of very humble living, um, kind of all self-sustainable. We didn't like have TV or internet and, and like we heated the house, the wood stove, like, so I which, grew Which is wild, by the way. Like, yeah. I feel like most people listening to this are like, wait, what does he mean he didn't have TV? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're not even believe like, like. Literally, we're talking about there's no television in the house. That's not an option, right? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So we didn't we didn't have we didn't have that type of thing. But um, so you know, most of my time was spent 
like in the summers we spent the time like chopping wood by hand and then in the winters we were heating the house by a wood stove so it was very kind of old-fashioned living and that's kind of like the way my parents like raised uh, my brothers and myself and it was kind of like hard work builds character and like if you work harder than everyone else then that's going to create the success in your life or whatever and um naturally that that also kind of translated to like like when you look at what success is in your life, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with money or, or with like any type of social status because there just wasn't, we didn't see that. We didn't, we didn't grow up on that stuff. So, um, for me, like, you know, first coming to Vegas, it, it's a lot of lights. It's a lot of big billboards of people's faces and stuff like that. And well, and, and before you get into Vegas, so right. we'll, we'll mention coming to Vegas, right. but I always thought it was interesting because even Austin, um, what's Austin's last name? Austin Miller. Austin Miller, who's also part of your uh, vault, Karev Vault House. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to him. I was like, yeah, I always wondered, like, you know, Mike went to Wake Forest and he's still pole vaulting. Because most people, if they go to a school like Wake Forest, they're hitting the workforce and they're trying to make big bucks. And, right. and you didn't. And when you told me your story, I was like, oh, my God, that makes sense. Because for you, your value system isn't necessarily money or material objects. And so now we get to the point you're, we're coming to Vegas. And what were your thoughts on coming to Vegas? Yeah, you know, like I said, well, you know, going to Wake Forest was a big eye opener too for me because I transferred there mid year, and that was really hard as it is because you don't know anyone. You're in season, like you're kind of rushing to make sure that you can get good enough or get jump high enough to make it to an indoor conference. And I went from, you know, A tens where I tied for first with fifteen nine in my freshman year, right to the ACC where 15-9 didn't even qualify for conference. So I had wow, three yeah, weeks yeah, to try yeah. and get to a level where you're making, trying to place a conference. And, you know, thankfully, like, things went well, and I, and I ended up jumping much higher, and I actually got eighth that year in, in the conference for indoor. And so, like, that was big for me. But, you know, you, you go to a school like that, and, and it's inevitable. It, it has, there's a lot of emphasis on, like, social status in terms of, you know, fiscal wealth and stuff like that. And, and I was raised in a family where, like, we didn't have money. We didn't have that stuff. Like, it, the only thing that was important was family and the people that you loved. And that was, that's what my dream was from that moment on was I want to do what I love to do. And I want to fall in love with someone one day, have a family, and then do whatever I got to do to make that work. Because to me, right. I had a lot of friends who, like, their, their, you know, their families had money. Like, they could have a new pair of soccer cleats every week. They could have the, the, the right. newest track stuff. Like but at the same time, when they went home, it was a broken home. And so right. to me, it was like money can't buy the things that last forever. And that, that's the way I kind of looked at it. And so, you know, when you, know, you go to a school like Wake Forest where there is just it happens to be a, a hot spot for a lot of financial wealth and stuff like that. Sure, you sure. A, you, you have a lot of the kids who, you know, they don't have a lot of wants in life. Right. You know what I mean? As far as material objects. Right. And they're kind of looking already when they're graduating, you know, to get that really big job. And, right. You know, all that kind of stuff. And here you are from this completely different perspective, you right. know. Right. And, and and for me, it was always, you know, you got to do what you love and you chase the dream that you have. And a lot of people don't really believe in that anymore. I feel like now it's kind of like you got to try and survive and make money and do these things. And there's like a certain, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you go to get your master's, you go get your dream job, and then you make money. And then you do that. You know, it, it, it's kind of like that stepping stones. And I never wanted to be part of the mold that kind of did that. So when I graduated, I wanted to, well, I had the opportunity to go live in New Zealand for a while and, and they kind of live that same way. It's, it's not about 
like right. money. It's not about all that stuff. It really is simply about like, what do you love to do? Chase that. And so, right. you know, I was there for seven months. And when I came back to the States, that's kind of what reignited in my head was for a while, you know, politing got really difficult for me. Like I got sick and I couldn't jump anymore. And I wasn't, you know, I was kind of stuck. I was plateauing. I just, you know, I couldn't get any better. And it took three years, four years, whatever, to go from, you know, those first three weeks at Wake Forest where I went from 15.9 to 16.7 in three weeks. And then I went from 16.7 to 16.10 in two years. Right. And that's, you know, that was really that's difficult. That's trying on, yeah. on, on people, Absolutely. for sure. And I, I know I broke down mentally, like I had hard times, but there was always that little piece of me that was like, I want to see if I can see this through. Because I, I never had any other dreams other than that. Like other than, you know, you can't simply, you know, people ask you like, what's your dream? And you're like, I want to have a, I want to get married, fall in love and, and, you know, have a family. You sure. know, you can't go to college and be like, okay, this is, this is your classes to be the best husband you can be. Right. right? Yeah. There's no major in getting married exactly. and having a family. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing where when I moved to New Zealand and I was living there and I was experiencing that whole thing is it reignited that kind of childhood passion that I had once had for pole vaulting and for life where I was just like, yeah, like it's nice to be able to have like, you know, financial soundness. But at the same time, like I would rather be pursuing a dream and, and doing something that I love than working day to day to, you know, to make a well, paycheck. And, and the other thing that I, you know, I brought up on some other podcasts is that I think oftentimes in Povol, unfortunately, and again, this weekend, we're kind of talking about some things where maybe thing, certain ideas will change, but we all think like literally like if you're a guy and you can't jump 19 feet or if you're a girl and you can't jump like 15, nine, like why are you still pole vaulting? Like right. you suck. Right. And it's like, that's not true. Like, mm -hmm. first of all, your is your lifetime best right now still 16, 10? It's now 16, 11 and a quarter. 16, 11 and a quarter. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's not every day you walk down the street and you bump into some guy that's jumping roughly 17 feet, you right. know? And that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if, there's a venue where people can continue to compete for, let's say, a 10-year period. Right. Who knows where you end up? Exactly. And if you have more opportunities to compete at meets that matter, championship, or kind of like uh, playoff system meets, that's going to drive that. Huge. You know? And that's the thing. Like, I was talking with Sean Francis, obviously, who was just on here. And, like, we talk about all the time. It's like, you graduate college, you're maybe 21, 22 years old. But they say like your prime pole thing doesn't begin until you're 27. Yeah. But you don't. You have a lot have, to learn exactly. and a lot to build. Right. And pole Yeah. Pole thing is all about repetition. It's about learning and experiencing all these things. And so you know, I didn't start till my sophomore junior year of high school, and so it was still a relatively new thing when I got to college. And you know, I got through some decent programs and I learned a lot there but it wasn't until you know recently where I started training with Scott Houston and obviously this year he posted the number two in outdoor for you know yeah. at, at 578 and um, I, I've been learning so much from him that within you know I, I actually actually hurt my hamstring because I was learning how to run properly and it was stretching everything out right, and it was yeah, yeah, it was just different took a whole month off of, of vaulting specifically and just was doing close training doing the things that the tedious things that you don't want to do but you need to do and for the first time in three years I had my first PR at 515 and awesome. like that was the first day back pole vaulting and it just happened to be yeah the day that it worked out and so you know with Scott like you know this is my first fall training with him so he has a lot of high hopes and expectations for what's to come and and I now am starting to see that already become 
real. Yeah. Um, which is cool because, like you said, you know, I graduated and my PR was 512, and I was like, that's just not, you know, it wasn't that good. Like, I never went to a regional meet. I never went to a national meet or anything And you like knew that. there was more there. Right. And, and But for me, like, deep down, I thought if I can find a way to continue to pursue this dream, I believe that I can be one of the best. Yeah. And, and if you can hold on to that, even in the face of adversity, I think that's where all the stories come from, where you see people like Tim Mack or you see people like, yeah. you know, those, those high level polarizers who now are in the, in the record books. They're the, the people right. that will always be remembered for their greatness. And yet at times in their life, they would be considered not good enough to continue. Right. Exa exactly. I mean, right. I, I remember hearing from Daniel Isaac, who actually was the one who introduced me to Roman Charnikov mm -hmm. and invited me down to Tennessee to learn. And he said when he was training and jumping that Tim Mack was around and it was always like, dude, this guy can't even dunk a basketball. Like, what right. is he doing? But year in and year out, he got a little bit better and other people got a little bit worse right. or they fell off. Right. And then all of a sudden you get a, you know, Olympic championship. Right. The other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up too was like, and this ties in, like, we were talking about, you know, just like, you know, the way you were raised, coming here to Vegas, maybe seeing some of this material stuff, but at the same time, knowing that there's kind of different ways to look at things, you know, it's like, uh, I talked about the idea of like the three different cages, right. you know what I mean? Like there's some people that live like in a velvet cage and, you know, they don't even realize the problems around the world. So it's like, we were talking about like people in Vegas who are just having a good time and don't even realize all the excess and maybe materialism that's involved here. Right. Then there's the people in the iron cage who maybe, and this is where it's like, you get so bummed out with the world or you get so bummed out with your training because you think you should be jumping higher and you're not and you just give up. Mm -hmm. And there's people who are in the rubber cage who can right. kind of escape sometimes. They, they see the problems, but they can live inside and outside of that, that cage and, right. and still function. And, you know, I feel like that's an important idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that maybe tie into like we were talking about before, like you had certain expectations for this trip where you were like, I don't know if I'm going to really like my time in Vegas. Right. And now how are, how are you thinking? Right. Well, yeah. And, and that's like you said, like when I first got to Vegas, like, you know, I was tired. We had a long flight and stuff like that. We were trying to check into the room and whatever. But like my first full experience in a casino was like seeing people with like, there's these big billboards with like people's faces and names. And it was like greatest of all time and whatever. And, and, like, it's just kind of, like, this idolization of another human being. Or, like, you walk into a casino and you see all these lights and people spending all this money. Whether they have it or not, like, it's being spent. And so, for me, like, initially, I was like, I don't know if I'll fit here. Like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy myself here at all because, like, I don't look at another person and think. I, I try not to be, like, the idolization of, like, I don't look at another human and think, oh, my gosh, like, that person is so far above me because, at the same time, like, I have respect for people's talents and, and the things that they have done, the things that they have accomplished. But at, this, at the end of the day, they are a human. They are a person that puts on their pants one foot at a time. Like, it's a cliche saying, right, right. Like but we, it's so like true. Like we were talking about before, it's like, it's like that moment when people realize their parents are people. Exactly. You know, they're not gods. Right. You know what I mean? And right. even, like, as great as some people are, they're just people. Right. You know, and they might be good people. They right. might be bad people, right. but they're talented at something. Exactly. You know? And that's the thing. is like, like you, Do you think Sandy Morris, you think she's, like, a good person or a bad person? I mean, she's talented at pole right. but, right. like, you think she's... Right. No. Oh, oh is that oh, Sandy Morris? That her right are there? you guys? Talking about oh me. yeah, just good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, better because I can listen to this recording later. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, 
we can definitely talk more, but let's have Sandy jump in Absolutely. now. Yeah. Uh, thank you, yeah, Michael. Over. She has the status. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Coming in. All right, Sandy. Coming in for the kill. Hey, so I, I figured I would just like tie in everybody and try to get as many people on the podcast as possible. So we're having this great weekend in Las Vegas, uh, going over all this pole vault stuff. Um, is there anything from this weekend that sticks out to you? Like, what, what do you think? Like, what do you, what do you believe could take pole vault to the next level or what do you think it'll take? Um, I definitely think that a lot of things we've been talking about here have been about financial side of everything. Yeah, for and sure. And there's been some talk about implementing some um, programs for high school coaches to get educated. And so I think what will help in the vault world a lot is just getting more and more classes out there that high school coaches can take so that they get their kids started off in the right way. Right. Because that is very important. And I was one of the lucky few to have a good coach at that age. But you've got kids out there who are, they don't have a coach at all. They're just, they want right. a pole vault. And so yeah, they're getting yeah. on YouTube and looking up videos and coaching themselves basically. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, definitely there's kids out there too who have coaches who maybe are a distance coach or they're really just a soccer coach and they're helping out. And it'd be so much better if those coaches had a place to go to get education. Because sometimes I think these high school coaches, it's not their own fault. It's just they kind of get stuck working with these kids. And there's not really a lot of hopeful education out there. Like me and Sean were talking about, a lot of people just don't put content out. And so if there's a way for people to learn this, I, th I think that would be great. You know? I, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and it is way too often that the kids in high school who are pole vaulting are, are usually the kids who the coach didn't think they fit in anywhere else. So I'm going to yeah. put them in the pole vault. And, but that is changing. And I feel like kids who are interested in the pole vault right off the bat, more and more kids like that are starting to exist because yeah, yeah. they're, I mean, with the pole vault summit and with just social, social media and everything, more people are finding out about the pole vault. And so I think yeah. now we're having a larger number of kids interested in the sport at a young age, rather than just being, okay, I want to be a gymnast and they end up too tall. So then they start pole vaulting or right, right, right. they want to play football or whatever it is, but they're not quite good enough at football so they're gonna pull a ball or whatever you know well and and we talked about this a little bit last night i i mean i feel like the thing is the more clubs that are out there and the more places people can go to learn football that will make it more popular too because i know even with my club it's like i at one point i was like i think i have like all the pole vaulters in the area but then all of a sudden it's like wait now i need to add a second pit because i have so many kids at the club i can't service everybody who wants to try pole vaulting and I have more, not pole vaulters, but brand new people who are beginners who want to try it for the first time. Yeah. So that's how the sport can grow as well. Yeah. You know? I do think it'd be really cool if we could find a way to somehow make this sport more affordable to mm -hmm. maybe, you know, schools that don't have a lot of money and get right. different groups of kids interested. Because let's be honest, 90 I don't know, probably 5% of pole vaulters are Caucasian, especially in the U.S. Sure. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just more readily available to most of those families. In, 
In New Jersey, actually, it's funny. So, uh, you know, the Newark area doesn't traditionally have uh, pole vaulters because it's an urban area. They don't usually have equipment like pole vault mats and stuff like that. But a lot of times I try to get uh, affiliated with one of the coaches in the area and start working with the kids from the Newark area. Because, I, I look, I love nothing more than to expose kids who maybe wouldn't have the opportunity for our sport. And it's so funny. I mean, I have one kid, uh, Osafi Fordyce. He went to Weequake High School in Newark, and now he's jumping in college, and it's just a blast, you know. Yeah, it's it's great to see someone who maybe couldn't do it in the past. Um, and we have April Steiner Bennett now sitting with us. So yo, I guess yo yo. So th- this is maybe a good segue. Um, besides making the sport more popular, I think something that I know with Sandy, I noticed in your career. I remember when you transferred to Arkansas, and I was like, this girl is really serious about football because she just went to the school that is, like, <laughs> killer, especially when you talk about women's yeah, football. Yeah. Can maybe the, either of you explain, like, what makes Brian Compton the badass coach that he is? Because I, I, I love to use the word badass because I'll tell a story after you guys talk. <laughs> Do you want to go first, April? I mean, you well, – I, I, I think it's how he can pull out – the best of us that I don't even know how to explain it, but I just his coaching style. It's not so much the program as well, as much as it is the coaching style that he uses. You know, we need. I, I can't speak from a guy's point of view, but females need a lot of discipline. But we need that that fatherly figure as well as a coach, mm-hmm. someone who's hard on you, but it's like a tough love. Well, so guys definitely need that too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak from that point of view, but it's um, it's it's that kind of atmosphere. It's very demanding, and and the expectations are really high. And I think that um, allows us to push ourselves even harder. There's not a lot of give on um, sympathy for a lot of things, right? Don't well, cry. Just get it done. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that. I was telling Sandy before. I was at one of the Armory meets, and it used to be like the New Balance Invitational or the Armory Invitational. And one of the girls, she was in like the not the championship section. So it was like the 12 to 13-foot girls. She clears her opening bar. And Coach Compton starts flipping out on her. He's like, go back there right now. And he's like pointing his finger at her and chewing her out. And I'm like, I wonder what happens when you miss the bar. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So definitely talking about yeah. discipline. Like, yeah, he keeps you on a line. I think sometimes what a lot of people kind of forget, and I've touched upon this idea in some other podcasts, is like, sure, there's technique. Sure, there's training. But then there's passion, right? Like there's the, psych- the psychological end of it. And, and you could be a great technical coach. You could be a great, you know, coach as far as training. But if there's not that passion there, and he's not demanding that greatness yeah, from you, it's that demand. Yeah. And, next, and I don't, Sandy. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to help build that program. I was recruited into it at, a, at an early stage, so I got to see how this thing has played out now yeah. from what what I've built with him, and the expectations that he sets are there, and there's routine and there's rhythm. And right. he doesn't stray from that. And I think that's what builds the machine that it is. You know, the older ones now teach the younger ones exactly how we get it done and we get it done. And well, I don't. I, and, and I feel like that's huge, too, because if you have a system, it's like, look, if you can't do X, Y and Z, because that's what April did. And April was really good. Then you're not going to be really good. And he, so he now does Sandy it. does it. And now whoever's coming yeah. in, it's like, well, if you can't do what April did, you can't yeah. do what Sandy did, then you're not going to get what they got. Yeah. You know, and, and he's he he was. He's a, te- a student of the event, and now I think he has a system that's working, but we definitely tried different things when I was there. 
Um, and we created that routine that has now built this this great empire of women's pole vaults. So, yeah. do, do you wish maybe that Sandy was first and you were second? Sometimes. <laughs> I wish I could start over because I think that they're learning a little differently at a younger age as well. Right, you know, it wasn't right, really right. encouraged for us to do it in high school. It was kind of at my high school, but not really. Yeah. So the opportunities that these women have now is, I'm like, dang it, I want to do over. Now yeah, I want to yeah. do 16 feet because I feel like um, athletically, a lot of the, the first, second generation women have that talent, but yeah. the way we were taught and the availability well, was much less. How right? about even the expectation level? True. Right? Oh, like true. They, when, didn't, they didn't know. They yeah. didn't know what to expect. Like when you went to the Olympics, it was like, if you jumped 15, that was like, oh, like, oh my yeah, God. Like one in the world, two and, in the world. Yeah. And now it's like, you only jump 15? Like, I feel like that's right. how people talk. And it's like, you it's just the expectation the level, yeah. it, it changes the Sports performances, really. yeah. you know? Um, so maybe, Sandy, do you want to talk about, like, what made you, like, how did you know Arkansas was going to be the right place for you? Well, honestly, I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so to be completely honest, when I went there, or was transferring there, I didn't really know much about Arkansas. I knew Tina Sute because I competed against her. Right, well, right, I remember. Gotten my butt kicked by her. But yeah. um, I never even really paid much attention to her coaching. Basically, my personality's pretty la-la-la. And so when I was a <laughs> you know, freshman and sophomore in, in college, um, I was just kind of an oblivious kid, like pole vaulting. And yeah. um, I was doing it for fun, but also I figured I was like pretty darn good at it. And so I started to get more serious about it. And my sophomore year at UNC, freshman year went pretty well. I qualified for indoor nationals as a freshman. Went yeah, there, awesome. I got, you know, 11th as a freshman at, at NCAA nationals. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then sophomore year, um, I was just kind of, I wasn't improving and I wasn't happy. Nothing was working out. Nothing was working out. So I knew um, I had to take like a huge leap of faith. And I, I mean, choosing to transfer was a more difficult choice than choosing my first college in the first place. Like when I was sure, being recruited yeah. by all these different colleges. But why Arkansas? Why not Florida? Why not Oregon? Well, why not San Diego State has a great program? Why not so the Rutgers? Not? <laughs> so <laughs> many places. I, why Bayville, Arkansas? Well, at that point, I did start to pay attention to coaching. Okay, so later in your right. year. So in, okay. when I decided that I wanted to transfer, um, that's when I started really, like, for those few weeks, that's when I was really looking, okay, who, is the good, who are the good coaches? Obviously, I went straight to Tina because I sure. just watched her, you know, jump, I guess, I guess 460. Yeah, she, and, yeah, yeah. she, like, dominated. And so I was like, yeah. okay, who's this girl's coach? And, you know, I looked up Arkansas. I was also had looked up South Dakota. And yeah, um, yeah. so those were like, and I had to go out of conference and I was in the ACC. So I had to go out of conference, otherwise I'd lose eligibility. Right, so right. I was like, all right, scratch all ACC schools. Right. Um, so I started looking at SEC and it just so happened that Arkansas had Tina Sute. And so I started like Googling Compton and that's when I really figured out, oh, this guy's a really good darn yeah. coach. He's what? got something special. But, so then, it was really funny because I had decided to transfer and pretty much had decided on Arkansas because my club coach, Rusty Sheely, from high school, had called Coach Compton at Arkansas when my parents told him I was thinking of transferring. Yeah. And just to feel the waters for me to see if they would have scholarship. And, I mean, Coach Compton, I mean, Tara and Tina were graduating. About graduating, yeah. So... Ta-da! Some up. money opens up, and he was like, "Yeah, we definitely have scholarship for her." 
and stars I mean, aligned. The stars Danny. just aligned. Yeah. And the next thing I knew, I was packing up my Jeep with a trailer behind it. And my parents were helping me drive out to Arkansas. We about ran out of gas in the middle of nowhere <laughs> hills in, in the Ozarks somewhere. It can be in the middle of nowhere. It was the middle of the Ozarks. And... Um, <laughs> We're driving across, this is just a funny little story. We're driving yeah, across the country, go going to Arkansas. I just left UNC, which I didn't properly unenroll from, so a year later I get um, a bill for $40,000. So anyway, um, <laughs> took care of that, don't worry. Didn't have to pay it, but um, it happened because I didn't unenroll. Wow. Okay, so anyway, I'm in the car, driving to Arkansas. I've left UNC, it's done for, it's over, I can't go back. And <laughs> I get a phone call. I'm in the back of the car, my parents are driving. We get a phone call from the um, admissions office in Arkansas. We don't have your transcripts, and if we don't have them in two hours, you cannot go here this semester. You'll have to wait to start school until next semester. We're in the car halfway to Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. And so my, God bless my miracle-working mother who gets on the phone. She's amazing. In an hour, this amazing woman has four women working in a team, two at UNC and two at Arkansas, like gra- pulling my transcripts yeah. by hand, scanning them, faxing them over to the other school, and then they pick it up on that side because they know my situation is just really insanely crazy. And um, this is all this all happened, honestly, because of Coach Compton. <laughs> if he ever hears this, he will laugh so hard. So Coach Compton knows everything about the track side of things. But he knows nothing about the academic oh, side. Oh, Sandy, don't get Zilch. me started. So I <laughs> hadn't even sent my transcripts over because Compton was like, oh, it's all taken care of. It'll You're happen. Good to go. It'll happen. It'll happen. Don't so he, Compton's personality is very, it'll happen when it comes to anything that's not pole vault. Yeah. Anything that is pole vault, this is going to effing happen now, this and this is how we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the road. If you don't take it, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, so I, I coach at Rimfield College, which is Division Three, and, you know, I'm very similar. If the kids ask me anything not track related, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I can't. don't know where that is on campus. How, why would I know? I know it's where the right. weight room is and the track. If it's not one of those things, I yeah, can't you, help you. Yeah, you can be an expert. You want I, I would prefer to be an expert in one or two things than like jack of all trades and kind of mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely he's the expert <laughs> in his domain, but the other yeah, side of yeah, it was, yeah. was difficult for a lot of us coming into Arkansas. <laughs> we lost one of our heptathletes. She came in from hungry or somewhere overseas and we couldn't find her the first week of school she like yeah. in transport you lost no, no, she, was, she was somewhere in, in arkansas somewhere in arkansas. oh my poor liz we found out housing had housed her for a week trying to figure out who, why she was here and what oh she was my goodness so this was interesting yes so so uh fun fact right so i had katie Naja on the podcast last year she had a good year. She PR. She did. Katie had a great year. She, I had Katarina on the podcast. Wait, the, wait, wait! You can't say this. We're done with this conversation. I'm, no, I'm just saying. Now you're on the podcast. Now it's your turn, Sandy. Oh. No, I'm not gonna. Do. I knew where you were going with that. And I'm like, I'm not gonna. What? Do not jinx this. Do not jinx this. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. So let me ask you this question. So. I know a lot of people have different strategies, right? Like some people say like, you know what, just strengthen your strengths. Some people say work on your weaknesses. Um, I guess both of you, what do you think? Like when you're going into a year and you're prepping and like, you know, you think about the year prior and whatever you want to jump this year, whatever your goals are, 
Do you think about strengthening your strengths? Do you think about working on your weaknesses? How do you attack a year? You know what I mean? Like it, it, So for maybe some of the vaulters that are listening who maybe have been jumping for four, five, six years and they're trying to plan this year for themselves, what, what advice would you give? Like how do you guys look at a year for training? I would definitely say always be looking to improve your jump, so working on your weaknesses. But at the same time, you want to make sure you don't lose your strengths because if right, you're right, focusing right. on your weaknesses, you don't have the um, mental capacity to fo- uh, focus on both of those things at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think you're it's always, really hard. Yeah, you're always trying to improve your athleticism, right? Well, you always want to become a better sure. athlete, so that's strength and weaknesses. Right, but let, let's talk just technique for a second. So if technique, you're thinking about okay. from a technical perspective, yeah. do you try to improve on maybe some of your weaknesses or are you just trying to maximize? Like, let, let's say, look, there's the people that grip really high. They just try to grip a little higher. Then there's the people who are very efficient, you know, and, and look, even whether I, I, I spoke to Katarina, now I'm speaking to you, you're on 14 sevens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are super efficient. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you a crazy story. I know a Division three vaulter, female, who's on 15-foot poles with yeah. PRs, 14-2. Yeah. And, you know, and look, awesome. She's an awesome athlete, low. and she's doing yeah. really well. But the thing is, like, that blows me away because I don't even know if enough people understand that. It's like you, what Katarina, and totally. what some other people are doing yeah. on 14-7s, you know, jumping 16-plus, and you jump five meters. It's like, it, it blows me away, and I think – some people just keep chasing. It's like, but you know, do you try to become more efficient? Are you going to try to get on longer poles? Like what, what do you think? You know, what, what, what are your plans? Um, well, my plans have always in the last three years really been to try out the 460 poles, but okay. it's like, you really have to have a perfect situation to try out that next length of poles, especially when the, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, let, let me ask you this, too, because um, – so now when she said 460, she's talking about 15 one poles. Um, yeah. No, it's okay. But um, – America. <laughs> America. But, like, I know at, like, my club, like, let's say I'm transitioning someone to longer poles, and we have the luxury at my club. Like, let's say – let's say, for example, someone's on a 14, 7, 160. Mm-hmm. I have even, like, a 15, 40 and up. So they can, like – grip down on a right. really small 15 and like kind of work their way up. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys would do or you yeah. just, okay. Yeah, that's the same concept. Okay. It's just, it becomes a lot more difficult at this level when you don't have nearly as much improvement. And as, you're fi- yeah, you're fighting for centimeters. You're right. not fighting for feet. Exactly. Inches, you know, feet. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's, I think too, you have to look at how the jump is moving. It's efficiency, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. If she's yeah. moving in a very, smooth movement than to add another pole and it's jerky and there's pieces missing and the timing's going to be timing's going to be off for a while how well, much right. time do you spend on it before right. you have to put it up and do you say, spend an entire season trying to get on the next length of poles at what point do you stop and go back i know mary saxer did that she was trying to move the 460s for right. a whole season and she's some days she would have the takeoff yeah. good enough to connect with the pole and she jumped totally great but then she turns around, and if she's having a slightly off technical day or slightly feeling bad, can't move the poles at all, no heights. Sure. Yeah. So it's like, where where do you draw the line between, like, yeah, I can jump really high on these poles, one meet out of, like, six meets. Like, right. <laughs> so so you guys bring up a couple of things that I think are really, really huge. One, I think what people don't get is, like, 
look, if you're working with a high school kid, that's going to make huge progress. Like, let's say I'm a 12-foot high school boy, yeah, and I'm going to end up jumping 15 yeah, this year. Yeah, you're going to make these huge differences. Mm -hmm. But when you're, like, really, really, like, at the higher echelon levels of performance, yeah, now, like you said, you're talking about inches. It's a lot tougher. You can, yeah, you, you can't just throw a pole at somebody. So, you know, so the that, girl who you said, I don't know how, I don't know who this is, I don't know who, yeah, what her yeah. jump is, but um, even say she was capping a 15-foot pole, maybe the timing of her jump is slower, so she not necessarily, she doesn't need necessarily more speed or strength, but if it's a softer 15-foot pole, right, right, then right. her jump might just be slower, so the timing works for her. So it's right. like, but even when I was competing, there were college girls on fourteen foot poles jumping eleven feet. Yeah, you know, they, they're yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. bigger grip, bigger pole, and then they and just that was on absolutely the wrong philosophy. <laughs> they weren't learning how to pull while they were slats. You know, right. Well, that ties into Probably the second thing that yeah, yeah. Well, who that, knows how far they? But yes, yeah, that ties into the second thing that you guys brought up, which I actually posted a couple things on Instagram, and I'm going to write a, a blog article about it. But it's like. People don't look at pole speed enough and the speed of the jump yeah, in conjunction. Because yep. I even think about like a lot of times like someone has really nice pole speed at takeoff and then they swing and it, it goes nowhere. away. Yeah. And so it's like you have to make sure that's all like timing up yeah. and it works. Otherwise, you, you're just wasting yeah, your time. Yeah, so many right now of these, these um, not even emerging elites, our elite vaulters are lower grips shorter poles look at Lavillany look at Sam Kendrick yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sandy, same especially Katarina. yeah yeah so they're yeah. they're jumping very efficiently and they're they're finding that hit at takeoff well, and converting it into full speed the queen right. of gripping low and jumping high Silva you're a Silva she jumped 490 on yeah. a 14 foot pole I thought well she was, really I think it was a 460 pole oh, but she was gripping right. like yeah, yeah, 440 yeah, 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 yeah. Martinez right. threw something too. ridiculous she jumped 480 on a four. Uh, a 14 foot pole, I'm pretty sure. Really? She got the silver world's yeah, 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 But yeah. she knew. The, she kept Bushler. trying the same thing. She tried to push the 14 sevens. And they and just, it, not, it was yeah. just a weird hitch. It's like it's not smooth and I can't catch him. And I, I had that same Well, you know what's a funny idea? Jumps. Like you bring up uh, her jumping 480, 15 9, you know, on 14 oh, yeah, foot poles. It, it's okay. I'm, I, I, yeah, yeah, 15 9 but on 14 foot poles. I know uh, Mike Lorick of Vertical Assault like, had My on the podcast. He, um, he always talks, like, me and him would look at ball, and it's like, we don't think male, female. We just think person. Sure. Right? Like, if you're gripping this, you hit this totally. mid, you should be able to jump that. Right. And I remember actually one time being at high school nationals with him, and we're watching, you know, the meet, and this one girl wins the meet at the time with 13-3, and she was on 14-foot poles. And I go, Mike, let's be real. If that was a guy at the club... We'd be like, dude, if you don't jump at least 14.6 within a couple months, like, totally. we're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know? On a 14.6. Right. And I think that's the thing. Now, we're finally seeing, you know, women being super, super efficient yeah. and doing some awesome stuff on, on poles, you know? Yeah. 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 And the speed factor. They're getting faster and they're learning how to run with the poles better. That's yeah. that technical training that's finally caught up, I think, that's compared with what the guys have been well, I, I think I think sometimes even better than the guys because yeah. I th I still think there's some guys that are just so strong yeah, that they they're just yeah they're position. muscling through like a bad pole carry and just slamming into the box and you're like whoa yeah, you know? yeah totally. whereas like a female just can't get away with that totally, yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, um, true. so we we were talking about training a little bit before yeah. how I mean first of all so I, I hate to ask but how old are you now April I'm a whopping thirty seven. 37. 37. I have to say, she's in better shape 
than most collegiate pole vaulters. Gonna hang April, with these young ones. She can still beat me in a push-up competition. Yeah, don't you look doubt awesome. her. One, Thanks. how do you do it? And then two, you know, what's your advice then training-wise? Like, how important do you think in your career your training was? You know, was that what kind of gave, gave you that edge? You think? Absolutely. And I wasn't the, the number one athlete out there for sure. So outworking the competition was what was necessary. And um, that just trickles into real, into general it just trickles into general public life, you know, like now I'm semi uh, unofficially retired. <laughs> I don't want to be, but, but, uh, the training that I went through with coach Compton just taught me how to fight for things and don't let it get out of hand. And the best way to stay in shape is to not get out of shape. So if you take breaks, don't take them for too, for too long. You, you do need breaks. Yeah. In the so like areas. when we're here in Vegas, just, you know, it's challenge okay to everybody go. to a, to a pushup contest. Right? Yeah. At the pool. yeah. Never a day off. I yep. think Sandy did 78 pushups today and beat the guy <laughs> next to us. So that was pretty Someone good. sitting on her back. No. <laughs> oh God. Yes. No. That is exactly how it went. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah. yeah, I just don't, I don't want to let go of that side of my life that was very driven. It doesn't mean I can stay at the same pace. As I get mm -hmm. older, right, I have to make sure that I'm maintaining and, and not getting injured. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because oh, I'm 36, and I was actually talking to Mark Cortazzo, who kind of put together this trip, and, you know, he, he's a little bit older as well. He's 48, and just I think about some of the people I went to high school with, mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I, you know, I want to keep taking care of my body yeah, 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 and yeah. enjoying life. It's the whole life. package. It's the whole I, thing. It's the food. I it's what you're drinking. It's yeah. being athletic. Yeah. Like, it is the most fun thing in the world to just be athletic. I mean, in everything in life, it's just so enjoyable. And whenever, just, yeah. if, whenever I see someone on the streets, maybe who's you know, overweight or whatever, they're struggling to get around. I'm like, oh, I oh, wish this person could feel what it's like to be in an athletic body for a day. And then it they would drop everything and right. get fit and healthy because it's amazing. You can just, you can you feel like a superhero. Well, I, I was actually talking to Alicia Newman uh, at, at the pool and we were talking about it. It's like, here, here's the thing. And when you're athletic too, and let's say you have a bad day, right? Like you ate some crappy food, you whatever. You just wanted, you're <laughs> like, like oh my pizza. God, I'm like so fat now, whatever. But I was like, Alicia, here's the thing. Never. Our like <laughs> best day is so good. And then our average day is a little bit below that. And then, like, when we feel crappy, we feel crappy. But That's most people feel people crappy feel. Every, every day. day. I think that has something to do with it, though. Like, they don't know what. Right, exactly. They don't like. know what they're missing sure. out on. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know so, how we got so on to, this topic. So to talk about. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's okay. like, it's, it's the age thing, right? I'm, oh, yeah, I'm that's coming right. That's athletics right. and. Uh, I was not how do you stay in shape and how do you <laughs> not let yourself get all yeah, frumpy no, exactly. and give up? I think you know? I was going to yeah. be one of those people who's trying to but do I the master's age group at like yeah, age 90. Like, but you know what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So you know what that expectation was and what the drive and the things you had to do to stay there. Yeah. So, well, but there's a lot of people that don't know what good feels like. They think yeah. right now they feel good. They, right. don't, they think it could be better because they see it, but they're not, they don't. That, that's in our whole education system. Well, but I, I could yeah. go on that. I, I was given the example. It's, it's like, lack th of think about this. It's like the guy who push. Monday after work goes out, watches Monday night football, eats or like a dozen, hour, a dozen a, Buffalo yeah. wings. Yeah. Feels like crap Tuesday. 
Then Thursday night goes out again, watches but Thursday see, night football, eats a dozen buffalo wings. Most people who live then, that lifestyle don't realize how bad it make, it's making them feel. Right. They, they might think that's normal. With, right. They well, might they, associate it with working all day and not yeah. realize if you right, ate think, healthily, healthily, yeah. is that a word? Healthily, yeah. Healthily. We should check um, <laughs> We're going to look that up. Then um, you would feel so much better. Yeah. yeah. It's like insane so that people don't even know what it feels like and and a I, healthy body and i think today now especially with social media there's so many good examples i don't know if you ever heard of mark sassone he has the primal blueprint diet he's been on the joe rogan podcast who no. april apparently is best that. friends with joe no no but a- yes <laughs> no but yes april's best friends with everybody uh, it's a but, weird connection so it's I a ketogenic a diet <laughs> but like this guy's in his 60s oh, ketogenic diet. yeah, yeah. High and protein, he is high shredded are you sure he's not doing hormone therapy i I'm not sure of yeah, anything, right. okay. but like, I mean, the guy sure? looks shredded. It's, ho- it's, it's hormone therapy. He doesn't that look like a bodybuilder. No, no. The doctors are. But like, he doesn't look like a bodybuilder or anything, but he's just in really, <laughs> really go good to shape. Your doctor like, he almost looks say, as good as Mark Cortazzo, I think. Yeah, yeah. Almost. Yeah. You can go to your doctor and you can say, oh, I'm feeling a little tired. I'm in my 50s. I'm tired. They're going to give you hormone therapy. Wait, say again what exactly I have I to say to the doctor. I, I, I just want to write this down. We are not getting into this, but I really wonder. You know, those diets and that. Well, but the ketogenic, like, it's so low carb and sugar, and then high fats, and not high high protein. It's not not high protein. protein. He's saying you don't need as much protein. He's saying the fats for, for, you know, your hormones and your brain functioning. And I don't know what Mark's doing behind me, but. Oh, all right. Well, but anyway. Anyway, yes. yes. Healthy diet. It's like amazing how good you can I don't even like calling it a diet. You you need to. Plan and eat well most of the time, and then have fun I need some of the time. To drink well right now, I need some wine. Hydration. So, <laughs> I mean, I'd love to keep talking, uh, but I think Mark Cortazzo Another needs day. to have us do a he meeting right now. So, we're, we're going to end the podcast. But Sandy, April, thank you so much. This was awesome. Right, and everybody's, yes. you know, thank getting you a treat. You know, yeah. no problem. Go one get him. Go get him. Go get him, Tigers. <laughs> 